0: This is the Vaymo podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co host, Brent Billings. Today we are joined by special guest Eugenia Ortega. She was born in Mexico, has spent time in Chile and Washington, D.C., and now finds herself in San Diego. She and her husband have been married for 30 years and Christians for almost as long, and they have four children. So, Eugenia, welcome.
1: Hello, Marty and Brent. Thank you so much for having me in your podcast. I appreciate it so much. Um, I have four children, like you said, and my youngest is Dante. He's 19 years old now, and uh, he has severe autism. And this is the reason why I wrote the book, I Look Into Our Window, and why we are here today talking um, it has been a great experience, a painful experience uh, an experience that I never imagined, and I want my in my heart to share with everyone out there, so you get a glimpse of what it is to live with autism, to live with special needs, and for all who are suffering right now so who who may be going through hard times just to let them know that they are not alone uh and that there is hope
0: well we do love hope here on the bama podcast uh mm-hmm. I, i'm i'm kind of curious how you uh came to know marty or um find out about bama or whatever so i don't know if you want to give mm-hmm. a little bit of background on your side and then maybe marty can chime in and say you know how he knows you as well?
1: Yes. Yeah, so um, a few years ago, not too long ago, a friend from church uh, you know, talked to me about Bima, and then another friend. It wasn't about the third friend. Probably when I started listening, and I started listening in the present. You know, episode. I can't remember exactly which episode it was, but right in the beginning, one of you said, "If this is the first time you're listening to Bima podcast, go back to the first episode." And that's exactly. what what I did. I started episode zero and I was hooked. Um I binged all the way to uh you know from Genesis to Revelation, I think it was the end of episode four or something like that. And um I was blown away. Um you know like uh, uh, you said I've been a Christian for uh, almost thirty years yet I only you know knew God in the scriptures from the surface. I had no idea the depth and, you know, all of that that I didn't know. And I appreciate you so much for that. I have learned so much. I have gotten to know God so much better. One of the things that you said in episode zero was the goal is to understand the Bible and to apply the Bible to who I am. And that's that's what I want to do. And um I have uh, grown so much since, and this is how I know Marty. And hopefully soon we'll get to meet each other in person here in San Diego.
2: Sounds like our paths may be crossing. And I do yeah. love, like one of my favorite parts of her story, Brent, is she followed instructions. We said, go back and start. And she <laughs> said, that's what I did. And what a what a perfect listener. Right? Um. I can remember, uh, man. I, I can't remember the very first time that we kind of interacted. I, I think we probably have exchanged an email or two, Eugenia. I, I think on Facebook we had yes, you had sent me some messages because I knew kind of about your situation. You had introduced me to Dante. You had sent me a photo or yes. two.
1: Yes, yes, and, I did. Uh,
2: so I kind of like knew of you, and then this book showed up in my mailbox, and I got to read and. And really, like just to be clear about what your book is, it's not really like this in-depth book about autism. It's not uh, a self-help book. It is really part memoir, part I almost felt like part diary. Mm-hmm. Like I'm reading these daily entries and reflections of what it's like to live in a day in your experience and m- most of those days are uh, All of those days, I think, that I read about in that shared diary of sorts had had difficult moments. There were beautiful moments, too, but I think every day was difficult.
1: Yes, yes, you're right. It is kind of like a diary and snapshots, uh, little stories of experiences that we've had with Dante since... You know he was diagnosed basically until now, and um it is uh the what I share is more of the hard times the painful times, and I feel bad because Dante is a wonderful person he is uh one teacher said of him that he's like a gentle giant yes. he he's very um he has a great personality his laughter. Just is contagious, he's a wonderful person, but yet he's trapped within and he yeah. he struggles just the lack of sleep and his lack of communication a lot of uh, behaviors come from that, and that's what I share because you uh, I feel like uh, you don't hear about the hard times, you don't hear about the bad side, and you don't see people like Dante a lot out and about because it is very hard to yeah. care for people uh with this and to go out with them in the public. So it is an unseen population there, and I want to put a light. On them. And it it is true. My book is not about like uh, facts about autism and uh, different kinds of autism or what to do or how to do. It's more um, my heart is to share and give a glimpse of what it is like, like you said.
2: Yeah. And you titled the book A Look in Our Window. And I I thought that that was exactly what the experience was as I engaged it. And Um, I thought you did a really good job, Eugenia, of balancing that. I mean, there were all kinds of beautiful moments in that book where I saw, uh, I saw who Dante really is as a person. I, I saw the, the humor and I saw the beauty and I saw all of that. Um, and yet part of what you were also trying to communicate was the reality, um, that, that you also live with. And so I thought you balanced those things really well, um, and wouldn't have to apologize for that at all. Uh, that was part of the beauty of that. Thank you. For those that, um, probably most everybody who hasn't read your book or or know who you are in your story, could you just briefly just kind of summarize what the journey has been like from Dante being a little child through, and even like wh- where is Dante at today and what is your experience like today and, and what's your situation uh, look like now?
1: Well, um, like I said, Dante is my fourth child. Um, he uh, was born in uh, November 2001. Anyway, um, we he was a surprise. We already had three children. We thought we were set. And uh, the first year of his life was wonderful. You know, he was a typical baby until he was about 12, 13 months old. Uh, we started noticing some regression and his stopped, uh, you know, looking in the eyes and, uh, not turning when we called his name. And we started noticing on, and then when he was 18 months old, he was, um, well, really when he was two years old, he was professionally diagnosed with autism. And since then, you know, um, Everything started. It was uh, very hard. We didn't know when he was diagnosed and we took him finally to the doctor who gave us the diagnosis after doing this huge, huge report. Basically, he said he has autism and he just said, it's going to get worse before it gets better. That's all I remember that he said. Right. And, 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 and he was right, but yet he couldn't tell me what to do. Like, there wasn't any uh, do this therapy, this surgery, or anything. It's up
2: to you. Oh, goodness, yeah. And I remember reading, like, that's what it felt like. There was no roadmap. No. There was no... And maybe some of those things do exist, maybe more even today, but there was... And then and then you go through these journeys where you decide you need help, and you pursue, like, um, whatever you would want to call it, like, external care. But then that goes really horribly, and like you go in and out of those experiences and you're just trying to figure out how to do the right thing where where are you guys at today as far as your your care for Dante and and where he's at
1: so right now Dante is in a group home here in San Diego, in the San Diego area. And we are very grateful. He's been there for two years. This is why you hear so quiet, you know, all this calm, poor Dante. But, you know, and we are super grateful. He's in an adolescent home. Uh, We'll have to figure out once he's 21 or 22. Uh, And, and like I said, we're very grateful. But these homes are very hard to find. It is not easy. There's not a lot out there. And we're, we're, we're grateful for that, for sure.
0: So I'm wondering, Eugenia, at what point you realized you wanted to write about this, to share your story in, uh, you know, to a wider audience. Because like you said, you know, in, in the beginning of your journey, you kind of like you, you were seeing some of those signs early on, but you kind of put off the acknowledgement of it just because life was so mm-hmm. um, hectic and busy and like it was just too much to process. And, and so you you didn't find out as early as you maybe would have otherwise because you had so much other stuff going on. So, uh, you know, writing a book is a huge undertaking. So what made you want to prioritize that work um, and, and share, share your story like this?
1: Well, as Dante uh, grew grew up uh, and he started, you know, having different behaviors with a lot of, a lot of screaming, a lot of um, self-injury. The biggest thing, I think it was the non-sleeping. Dante without medication doesn't sleep like at all, nothing. And he's not, He, he he's, he's screaming, he's making a lot of noise. So for, a, for a long time, we didn't want to give him medication. Then we started to give him medication. Even with strong medication, it, it is very, very hard for him to sleep. So all of us were sleep deprived. Uh, and that just brings you down. So just not sleeping is... I cannot even explain to you how how awful it was for him and for us and for everybody in our household and uh, with everything else. And his behaviors were really uh, great. So um, during that time, I I wrestled with God so many times, and I was crying out to God. He, He brought me to my knees so many times. And I would say things like, why, right? And where are you, God? I felt like God wasn't even here. He didn't li- listen to me. And I, but I, I knew and there had, had to be more people out there, you know, suffering like this. And this is, this is my heart. I really want to reach out to others um, because I know that if others knew what, families like us go through they would treat they you know sometimes they would say different things or they would act differently they would do other things i don't know if that makes any sense
2: but oh goodness yeah that
1: answers your question
2: yeah that makes a that makes a ton of sense i'll be circling back to that idea before we're done i'm sure um what what kind of responses as you've shared this story um and, and even just outside the book itself but just As you've gotten better at sharing your journey and seeing it in other people and other people seeing it in you, what have your experiences been as you've shared that? Have you found um, a a lot of impact that uh, others just finding that solidarity? What has that been like?
1: Yes, well, I am overwhelmed with So many people, people that I haven't heard from in a long, long time, even family members that I haven't heard from in a long time, they have called me or sent me a message uh, with encouragement and with a lot of encouragement, with love and support. It's been really, really great as far as my book. Um, But I think um, there's a lot out there. That because you said outside of my book, uh, you mean with uh, autism with living with dante um, there there 's solidarity with other parents, I would have to say with I have a small group of parents with children with severe special needs, and i we understand each other. We really, even though there are a lot of high opinions and different ways they go, everybody goes about it. We kind of understand that we're dealing with a lot and we do uh, support each other. But uh, sometimes I have to say uh, there is criticism where I get, uh, you know, critics from f- people who do not have special needs. A lot of... Um, Let's say unsolicited advice. Sometimes, well, not a lot, but sometimes I do get that.
2: Yeah, I, I unfortunately I'm not surprised by that. Um, it's uh, it's I don't know what I want to say. It's unbelievable. It's it's saddening that that. Um, and and that's not to. I mean, I get it. The human experience and our interactions and relationships are are complex, and we live in a culture that doesn't teach us how to handle. Uh, we, well, we just teach, a, we, we live in a culture that doesn't teach us about empathy. Like we're just not good at being empathetic. Um, We're very good about uh, trying to be right. And, uh, so yeah, um, uh, let's see here when I, you know, looking at my notes, I, as I heard your story, listened to your story. Um, I was just overcome, uh, like the, the word that kept coming to mind was just the idea of survival. Like I would read these experiences. I would read you talk about – I would listen to you talk about what it was like every every night. You're talking about being sleep deprived. And it was like, oh, yeah, it's not just like a bad night here or there or even like a season of bad nights. It's like, no, this is the usual normal experience with very little – like all the time as I'm reading these chapters and these entries, I'm going, okay, man. She just needs to get away and take a break only to realize you can't, you can't just step away. Like you and your husband do the best job you can to give each other breaks throughout this journey. But man, just like this idea of survival. um, What is that? I I can't, I I can't, I don't even know what question to ask. What is it like? I can, I, I can imagine it feels like you're just drowning. But what is that experience like to not be able to unplug, not have an out? What is that like? Oh
1: my goodness! Um, you're right. It, it that's what um, I was sharing a little bit about that earlier. It is something that I say sometimes. I don't wish on my worst enemy, um, and I know there's a, a lot of there's a lot of people out there that have autism experience and I don't want to disrespect because I know there are a lot of people who have mild autism and th- that's why they say if you know one person with autism you know one person with autism everybody's so different and I'm talking about just you know our experience and and what Dante Dante is really you know trapped inside he he's He gets very, very frustrated. And just to see your child, your baby boy, crying desperately, suffering to the point of hurting himself with bleeding all over the place and screaming and bruising himself and not knowing how to help him. Is is just so, so, so painful. And this is what I say that um, I read this this morning in Psalm 10, 17 to 18, if I can share. It says, Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their heart. You will make their ear attentive to vindicate the orphan and the oppressed so that mankind, which is of earth, will no longer cause terror. And the only thing that I can tell you is God gives me strength. He strengthens me. And I I don't understand. I don't even know why, Um, you know, Dante uh, has this affliction, this uh, autism. But I, I do trust in God and I do trust in his story. And I know that... Even though at times, like I said, I I cried out to God and I felt like He wasn't there, He wasn't listening. Dante was still crying, was still screaming, was still you know going through this, and uh, but I know He was, I know He was, and he, I would not be talking to you right now if it wasn't for God. It is because of God, because He loves me, He loves Dante, and He loves. You and everyone out there going through the same thing, and he he does listen and he does care, and and that's that's my survival, Marty. I'm hanging on. I'm always. I always. That's how I feel. Like I'm just hanging on to dear life, and that's with God.
2: Well, it definitely hits different when it comes from. It's it's weird if I stand uh, on a stage or behind a pulpit. And I share those same verses from um my place of relative uh ease and comfort, and that's not to demonize that our our paths are what our paths are, like whatever God has given us to steward that's so it's not that i'm I'm wrong or there's something wrong, and yet those verses are hard to um to talk about without them seeming cliche until you hear somebody in your situations share those things and it's coming from a place of like deep knowing and conviction and like no that is that's true in my bones and um yeah I, i again i think i'll circle back around in a moment but i don't want to get ahead of myself brent what do you have uh well so
0: i'm i'm wondering so obviously you have the uh you know the general um the general sense of divine strength that has carried you through so many moments where uh, like, I just trying to think about like, I have, I have two children, um, not four. And at, uh, as far as I know, they don't have any special needs. And I think like <laughs> how sleep deprived am I at this point? <laughs> and so just trying to imagine like how much worse, <laughs> how much more difficult it is for you, um, is is just incredible. So, in those moments where you feel maybe more distant from God, or you need more support or more practical support, um, where do you find that support? Like, does that come uh, through people you know in church? Um, or what, like, where where does that where does that support come from?
1: Well, first of all, from His Word. Um, when I open my Bible. And I read in Psalms, you know, my heart is in anguish within me. I relate, yeah, especially the Psalms. The Psalms, you know, you read through the Psalms, and it's like, yes, you know, this is how I feel. But of course, I'm prayer, uh, reading prayer, and like I shared before, just and knowing God better, knowing God deeper. Well, You have helped me so much, you, uh, Marty and Brent, to to know God so much deeper. And then, oh, one thing I wanted to say, too, that I appreciate how much you generously share your your resources, not just, you know, everything that you know, but you give out all these other resources that I appreciate is I even, uh, you know, started listening to John Whitaker and the Bible Project and... uh, so just getting deep in in his word hel- helps me a lot and also yes I do have you know friends uh Christian friends um but I still think that um I have to work at that at Sharing everything, but you know when you're going where you're going through all this, it's you're exhausted sometimes even to get together with people to talk to people. To It's hard to go to church in person when you have you are uh, caring for someone like this. So it is harder, and I know I understand that sometimes um, you know you don't get the support because people don't know what you're going through. In a way, this is why. I wrote the book so that to people would be aware to bring awareness of what a a family like us goes through, and I hope that you know churches would share this book with their congregations to be to bring more awareness and to I don't think churches have this population this community in their minds when they're reaching out to
2: people oh goodness i I can't even like. I wasn't even planning on touching on that or going there, but somebody (laughs) brought up. No, somebody brought up. uh, I don't know. A handful of years ago, like just the the people that have um, mental illness and just different different kinds of needs from people in the autistic community. Like what? Like there are so many needs that we build our systems, we build our gatherings, we build everything to function for a normative experience and you just don't even consider and it was just struck me when I heard that the first time years ago I was like <gasps> we no we don't we don't and we talk in session 1 of the podcast about the tribe of Dan, and where do you find the weak and the marginalized and somebody even just tagged me in that quote uh, on one of uh, some social media where wow. you know you can tell you can tell whether it's a community of God's people or a community built on empire based on where you find the weak and the marginalized, the tired and the if they're in the center of the community, if the wagons have been circled, then you know that they understand Shalom if they're on the margins, if they're tagging along in the back, if they're struggling to keep up uh you know that you've bought in on some level to a narrative of empire. And um man, I, I don't I mean, I know that. I've taught that obviously years ago on my own podcast. I'm not sure uh I wrestle with that enough. But uh yeah, I I think it's a wonderful Point. And that's not a huge condemnation. That's not a criticism. No. I'm I'm sure we wouldn't have like <laughs> none of us on this podcast are going to have the answers. And if we would just do A, B, and C, it would all be so easy. Um, it wouldn't be easy. But those are things that we ought to think of more than we do. Yes. And consider those things more than we do.
1: And in part that that is why I wrote this book. I'm not like, you know, a perfect writer or expert or anything, but I I do want to bring this to the attention, to the heart of of people, to, to be reminded. Because like I said, I mean, you cannot blame anyone because everybody, we're all so busy with our own lives, trying to take care of, you know, our, our spouses, our children, our work, everything, and so here I am just showing you, you know. We are here. This is happening. It is a reality, and people are out there suffering. You see, if even in the news, sometimes you know tragedies going happening with families with special needs, sadly, and um, yeah, if if you just have them and in your heart and pray about, just starting, you know, st- that's a start to start praying for them.
0: And Eugenie, you've talked about moving. Um several times, um, to different places around the country and around the world. And I know, or I don't know rather, uh, where those trips coincide with, um, your family as it has grown, but as you move to a new place, uh, what are some of the challenges of getting connected into a community, um, when you have these extra family dynamics that people don't really understand?
1: Well, uh, we did. We lived in uh, in South America and in Mexico, of course. But at that time, we didn't have Dante yet. So, but it is um, a, a different dynamic, uh, you know, different cultures, a little different. We uh, Dante was born in in Virginia so when we were living in the DC area, and uh, so we were there uh, after he was born for five years. Um and uh um, you know as far as the church you know we had great friends um but i have to say the resources uh for at that time i don't know now but for special needs were not good at all they hardly existed it was it was very funny because um we had dante in um uh, we wanted to start him on therapy right away, the ones that we heard of and that we knew that he should have. And it, this was a behavioral therapy, I believe. And we called and they said that he had to be put in a waiting list. And uh, they called us back about two years after we were already in San Diego. Oh, my God! <laughs> so it was really hard.
2: Yeah, that, I remember reading that and... Uh... Yeah, these even the systems that the tools that are out there, the systems that do exist, not nearly as maybe robust as they need to be for those that need them so badly. Um I I I finished your book, Eugenia, when I was on a an airplane and I stuck it in the pocket in front of me. And then I I I deplaned, I got to the end of the what do you call that? Brenton Gateway? What is that? I get to the I get to the end of the little terminal thing there. The jet bridge. The jet bridge. Thank you. I knew you would know. Brent Billings loves his airplanes. (laughs) Um, So I got to the end of the jet bridge and I realized I had left the book. And I was like, oh man, I gotta, I can't, I can't leave that. I want to contact Eugenia, try to get her. So I turned around, I told the gate agent, I've left this book. I was in this seat. She's like, no problem. She leaves. Um, And then I realized while she's gone, I told her the wrong seat. So I'm like, ah. So she comes back. I'm like, ah, I'm such an idiot that I was actually in this seat. I'm sorry. She goes back in. Uh, She takes – just taking forever. And then she comes back, and she – and the whole time I'm like, I probably should have just forgot about it. No big deal. And she comes back, and she's holding the book, and she's taking a photo of it with her phone. And she said, tell me more about this book. So I kind of described what it was. And she said, I, my sister – has severe autism, it might have been a brother, I can't remember. She has a sibling that has severe autism, and it's just such a. I, I want to send this, uh, this book to my family. It's such a lonely, it's such a difficult, lonely place to live, was her comment. And I thought, A, uh, cool Jesus moment. <laughs> Thanks, Jesus, for letting me leave that book on the plane. Yeah, I hope that it's just a, a huge uh uh exactly what you want it to be for them an encouragement, a sense of um but I think at one point in your own story there you talked about somebody your paths crossing with somebody else who had a similar and and what a help it was as they said, Oh hey, look here, examine this. What is it like to bump into people that have similar experiences on your journey? What is that experience like
1: oh it is wonderful. I still have this group of uh parents um, who, you know, we're friends, and uh, we don't talk to each other that often, but when we do, or even if we find out about something, we tell each other, and it's just uh, talking to someone that understands. Um, I don't know how to say it. It's kind of like, I guess, when you have children and you talk to people that don't, uh, you know, you can still tell, I mean, what is, that? but when you're talking to someone that has maybe a, a child the same age as yours and you can, you connect, you, you, know, that you understand each other, you know, what you're talking about he's like, yeah, yeah, I know, you know, like that, like, you, you it, it's so great to have someone that you can relate to because there's not that many. And when you find something that you can, um, you know, talk to each other, it's, it's just great.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I sense that uh, even without sharing the experience, but I sense that I I saw in the gate agent that day in the airport, how important that is or would be Mm -hmm. for her. I heard it in your own story. Um, So I, I just as part of what I wanted to share. I know people get really passionate about some of these things, especially these topics. People get passionate about what kind of language to use and how you talk about things. And I'm sure that 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 could easily be critiqued in the way that I'm asking questions or even the way you're sharing. Like there are opinions and convictions abound uh, without a doubt yes. uh, on these things. And for good reason. And for good, good reason. But what we're wanting to do today is simply um, take the time. What we've wanted to do is session six of our podcast is I, I mean I hate the term, I think Brent does too. I hate the term platform and um, and yet we want to share, share that with voices and experiences that aren't the they're not the normative experience. We want to hear stories um, from people that we typically don't look for. We don't we don't give platforms to, we don't we want to use some of these spaces. For that, and that's not, and I know, uh, man, for me, I feel like there's a wrestling match of like so so you're saying that it's bad to be normative, no, no, I'm not, there's nothing wrong with being normative, um, but there's something really important about being curious and empathetic, like one of the things we talked about in session one is the alien orphan widow, everybody loves it, right, everybody loves that portion of our study, the alien the orphan the widow, and part of what we said was. When you, when you see those people, they remind you on some level about your own humanity, and the more you're reminded about your own humanity, your own shared humanity with folks that spend their time on the margins and the fringes, the more you see and you notice them. And when we don't do that, we get this gap between the normative experience and, and everybody else. And part of the goal of what God's doing in his narrative and his story is trying to close that gap And so it's important to hear these stories. And Brent, I wanted to spring a—I didn't have this in the notes, but I want to spring some—a passage on you. Quick, Brent, grab your Bible. I want you to read uh, 1 Corinthians 12, and if you'll start in verse 12 and read to, uh, I don't know, let's say 26. Okay.
0: Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one Spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or
2: free, and we were all given the one Spirit to drink. So somehow—I'm interrupting you, Brent, it's what I Um, do—so somehow I'm all bound up in the Ortega story. Like, in Christ, in in the Spirit, I'm somehow all wrapped up. And so one of the things that my teacher taught me was there are some people that, for whatever reason, are given these— as Eugenia said, afflictions or struggles or battles. And then you don't have those same afflictions or battles. And so there's this, so what do I do with me and and my journey and my story? Is it good or is it bad? Part of what my teacher told me is stop seeing it as just your own individual story and realize that your story is wrapped up You are members of the same body. My story is somehow... I don't just get to just listen to this story from a distance. I'm somehow wrapped up in Christ with Eugenia and Dante Mm. and their family Mm. and other people and other stories. It's not just their experience. Somehow in Christ, it's our experience. Brent, go ahead. Keep reading. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now,
0: if the foot should say... As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it.
2: If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna read some too because I, I, I didn't get enough. So I'm gonna read what, what translation am I holding? What's going on right now? Oh no! I just grabbed a Bible, Brent. I'm, I'm holding a very un mod translation. This is the NRSV. Brace yourselves, everybody. This is the NRSV. <laughs> Um, I want to to reread uh, verses 22 through 26. On the contrary, the members of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those members of the body that we think honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Wow. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But oh man, golly! Yeah. I want to go on some massive rant. I'm going to go back to the Bible. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body, but the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. With it. And oh, my goodness gracious. Uh, there is um part of the reason that we share stories like this. Part of the reason I wanted Eugenia to come on the podcast today was I, I want to be reminded of different members of the body. I want to grow in these two words that I have just really latched on to in this last year or two. Curiosity and empathy. Curiosity and empathy. I want to be curious. I want to listen to other people's stories. I want to be curious enough that I'm, I'm, I'm not just listening to respond, and I'm not even just listening to learn. I'm actually listening to discover and to hear them and to see them as people, to latch onto their humanity, which leads me into all of a sudden empathy, like to, to empathize with them, to care for them, to get all bound up in their story so that I, I, I help I, um, I'm moved. It changes my own posture. It changes my own, um, uh, the way that I approach life and the story and people, it changes who I see and how I see them. And anyway, those are the, those are the big ideas here. And, um, Eugenie, I appreciate you sharing your story because of it, it's a gift it, i mean that passage just said these weaker members are actually indispensable and i i grieve that too much of what we do in the church and in the corners that i am responsible for let me talk about my corner my church my podcast my spaces i don't remember that enough and uh, i appreciate you being in a circle close enough to me that you remind me um you're indispensable you you and your story as hard as it is and the suffering it is you're a gift to the larger body of christ because you you remind us of the christ story and so i just want to personally say thank you
1: wow thank you thank you marty what you're saying really moves me a lot is something that you know uh, I've always kind of wanted to hear I don't know how to say it but um of course I've read this scripture before I don't think in your version but um it is something that I've felt uh reading the scripture and living our lives with Dante just that We are part of, if we are part of the church, we're, you know, Dante is part of the church. We're all part of Mm -hmm. it or of of the body. And yes, so, and and I have, with all this suffering, I am grateful for it because if it wasn't for Dante, uh, or I, I don't know what it would be, but I just know that because of him, I just, you know, I'm so much closer to God. And I think... It is true that uh, everybody can benefit from from knowing, you know, Dante and people like him. But thank you so much for sharing this. It really moves my heart, and I appreciate you for, for sharing this and letting me share. Thank you.
2: Yeah, I, I don't want to imagine where we would be without people uh, like you and other struggles in the body of Christ. I don't know. That body of Christ would not be uh, something I would uh, yearn for it would be it would be worse um at the same time, I know you would certainly not want a body of Christ full of people with your experience that would no. also be <laughs> that would not um, be anything that you would desire either. so it's we have this shared experience together and um, we get to celebrate that so yeah i I love it um Brent. Take us out of here. What do we need to do? Uh, yeah, Eugenia, if people want to
0: um, find out more about your story or get connected to you somehow, what's the best way for people to do that?
1: Okay, yes, I'm in Facebook, uh, Eugenia Ortega. And uh, also, they can email me at uh, look into our window at gmail.com.
0: Okay, sounds good. And we'll have that contact information uh, in the show notes as well as uh, a link to your book. So. Uh, I think that does it for this episode then. Um, if you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. I'm at EIBCB. And, uh, and check out the show notes for those links uh, to Eugenia's work and getting connected with her. And then you can find more details about the show in general at Baymod So thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast today. We'll talk to you again soon.